Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk's L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing and gig economy. L. is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info@marketplacerisk.com, and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Al. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Platform Podcast. I am your host, Elle Tucker, and today I'm joined by Neil Tunbridge, who is the co-founder of Mellow, which is one of the first marketplaces in the UK to focus on CBD products. Welcome, Neil. Thank you, Elle, and um, thank you very much for having me on. Oh, um, it's a pleasure. Absolutely. No, no, pleasure's all mine, pleasure's all mine, thank you. So now I can't actually remember how our paths crossed uh, a few years ago, but obviously through the marketplace world um, and you did not um, at the time have Mellow on the go and you were focusing on Malut, which was another area um, of, of your work. So can you tell me, first of all, before we get on to all things CBD, tell me a bit about how you got into the world of marketplaces and, and what exactly Malut do? Yeah, so you're right. We have been busy last few years, sort of beavering away and building and launching Mellow. But um, prior to that, my business partner and I, James, have been running, and we, we're also co-founders of a, a specific marketplace agency sort of growth business. We work with marketplaces to offer them, uh, in effect, sort of representative office services for, and these are typically what we call tier two marketplaces. So not Amazon or eBay, but still very, very large, um, successful uh, platforms based around the world that um, are typically looking for a sourcing office to help them find merchants, brands, sellers, call them whatever you want, um, located around the world that have a, a market and product fit for whatever is being sold on those particular platforms. So if you're a consumer electronics business selling on Amazon in the UK, for instance, you might also want to consider selling on a couple of platforms in the US or in Portugal or in New Zealand, for instance. We work with the merchants, help to onboard them onto those platforms and effectively act as a local office, um, relationship management and kind of same time zone office for, for those marketplaces. So we do that for about 12 to 14 marketplaces around the world. Um, and then more recently, we also um, turned on a suite of services for the merchants themselves selling on those platforms because the relationships we have with the marketplaces are are, are such that it's the marketplaces that are, are our clients. But we were never really sticky to the merchants. So we, we also turned on some services that, that, that allows them to trade more seamlessly, especially in a sort of post-Brexit world cross-border. So mm-hmm. that might be registration for VAT in whatever UK or European territories they're trading into. And we do that for a number of marketplaces. We act as their kind of VAT registration office. We have an accountancy division where we can offer bookkeeping, accountancy, end of year accounts, that kind of stuff. Also for these international merchants, um, we have a lending capability. So um, 
I'm sure many, many businesses are familiar with Amazon lending, where they, they basically kind of take a forward-looking view of, of your potential revenue that you will make on that platform, and then they'll, they'll lend up to a certain percentage of that. Um, so it, we have a lending facility as well. So a number of different kind of compliance and growth services that are available for those merchants. What, um, what sort of examples of, of um, products would, would these merchants sell? Just well, it, 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 almost any anyone and everything. So we can work with brands. Um, so you know, if you're a brand owner selling widgets or soup bowls or or trainers or you know whatever it might be, then um, they're nearly always an opportunity for you to sell that product or the, that brand on a on a given platform. So if you're a fashion brand, you might you might want to sell on. Uh, La Redoute in France or if you make PC components you might want to sell in on Newegg in the US which is a, a, tech, a consumer electronics focused platform um, or if you sell fashion you might want to sell on a marketplace in New Zealand so you know the, 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 the sectors in which we or the categories in which we work run the sort of gamut of, of, of anything that can be sold online um, and therefore, so do our marketplace clients. So we have we have very very specific, almost niche category marketplaces, mm-hmm. and then and then you know, but basically sort of multi-category Amazon competitor type platforms as well. So anything and everyone in a way. So you can be a brand, you could be a, a reseller, you could be a distributor, um, you might be a multi-brand store that then has sort of got an online presence as well. So we really don't kind of dictate who you need to be or what you need to be mm. in order to. to yes. And I've been asking a lot of my guests, obviously, in the last year or so since we started the Platform Podcast, we've done so during the pandemic. And for a lot of my guests, this has been, you know, a a time of change, obviously, for their business and the type of clients they've been working with. How um, have things been for you on the Malut side of things before we get on to talking about Mellow? Have you seen real differences? Yeah, we. I mean, we have. We've seen a lot of growth, um, which has been, I mean, touch wood, you know, fantastic for us. Um, there's also been a number of, certainly as we got into 2021, a number of sort of compliance issues around how VAT gets recorded and paid, especially across marketplaces as the governments across various um, UK and EU countries sort of crack down on how taxes is paid and collected. Um, and also Brexit added further complications to that situation as well um and so being a compliant cross-border marketplace seller as as sort of technically boring as that might sound has become increasingly complex um that being said as you well know many many more hundreds or thousands and millions of people are shopping online as a result of of covid and, and the various sort of lockdowns that we're all in and so that had, depending on which article you might be reading, that has brought or accelerated e-commerce sales, you know, fivefold, tenfold, um, whatever it might be. And I think even even the Ocado bosses were in the news today saying that the the upticks they've seen in their business aren't ever going to really kind of go back down to where they once were. So you know, once you're once you are in that mindset of convenience and online shopping, it's difficult to see how that takes a wholesale mm-hmm. U-turn. Um, so yes, things have been good for us. Um, well aware that we're, we're extremely fortunate that we just happen to be working in this in one of the sectors that has 
grown and benefited as a result of kind of the terrible situation that everyone's found themselves in. And, you know, we would sort of thank our, our lucky stars that we are in this situation. Um, I know a lot of people that aren't, but mm-hmm. yeah, what, what it's meant is uh, as a business, you know, we're kind of growing and expanding, um, which is also a difficult thing to come to terms with. And, you know, people that are losing their jobs and, and kind of are wrestling with upheaval and in, in their, and their livelihood. So um, it's all, it's a bit of a kind of, odd situation to be in but yeah we've seen we've seen fantastic growth yeah um so let's get on to mellow now tell me you know how did this i just i, I want to <laughs> i want to hear the first the conversation yes the, <laughs> the first conversation that you had around cbd because i mean in a way i, I mean a lot of our listeners are in in the u.s and the rules right. on cannabis all are, right. are it's very... all their fault it's, it's all their fault <laughs> Um, so James and I uh, it sounds very glamorous but it wasn't really because we were often sharing a room at a hotel but we used to go to the the US quite a lot west coast in particular to see clients over there San Francisco and LA and that kind of stuff and you know we kind of enjoyed ourselves while we were over there and three or four years ago we started to it was almost constant people asking us whether we wanted CBD in coffee or cocktails or wherever we were people trying to stuff it in something that we we were eating and drinking and we didn't know what it was. Um, so we always kind of, you know, stiff, stiff up a lip in British. We don't, no, no, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't want that. Um, anyway, we come back to the UK, you know, the crack on a few different people, CBD, and we started reading that some of the big US and Canadian brands were trying to come here as a sort of beachhead into Europe. Um, and then the, the penny starts to drop. You're like, well, isn't that that stuff that they were trying to put in our coffees in LA? Um, again, it, it sounds very glamorous, but it, it wasn't. Um, and, you know, we've always kind of toyed with the idea of having worked in marketplaces for such a long time. And although we've obviously been running this agency for quite some time, in, in former lives, James and I were both involved in marketplaces internationally. So we've been in and around them for quite some time. So we've always toyed with the idea of, should we look to build and start one ourselves, you know, really kind of put our money where our mouths were. Um, but could never really get our heads around a product or a category or, you know, what vertical that should be in, if, if it needed to be a particular vertical. And after doing a bit of research around CBD, actually, then we just said, well, you know, maybe that's it. You know, this is a new sector in the UK, or it's a new sector globally, particularly, but particularly in the UK. You know, if, if, if these enormous companies from the States and from Canada and maybe you're looking to come here, they clearly see potential um let's kind of do a bit more research and that's ultimately what we ended up doing and that's, i guess we just you know i guess like most entrepreneurs you just take a bit of a punt then you're a leap of faith to, uh, you believe in something enough that you feel like there's opportunity there and so that's exactly what we did um yeah and put a, put a, put, a, put a bit of a um uh business plan together and started doing some due diligence around technology partners obviously we had a, a fairly broad ecosystem of partners and people that we knew across the sector that were situated around the world um and that was it really so we kind of incubated mellow within our agency malut um so internally we managed the technology build we brought on partners that we kind of knew and trusted not only from a technology perspective but you know warehousing logistics um and onboarding staff that could help us re- reach out to brands and obviously we'd been onboarding brands onto marketplaces for years and so actually the ability to in-sell the opportunity for a marketplace that we clearly believed in uh, and a sector that we could see was absolutely ripe for stratospheric growth mm-hmm. meant that 
conversations we were having around CBD and hey, Mr. Brand, you know, you want to be part of this exciting new sector and this exciting new platform. Actually, it was great, and they were great conversations to to, to have. So we kind of, we incubated Mellow out of our agency and then eventually spun it out, set up a company, um, and kind of a, a officially got it going that way. And did you find, I mean, that it was received enthusiastically every? by everyone or, or not, did you not ha- by my mother no, no i was gonna say was that was <laughs> clearly that... thought i was i was starting to deal deal drugs um i think by and large yes there was this kind of enthusiasm around you know all that you know i've heard of that as if it was this sort of exciting new trend out of the u.s it felt like we were kind of in the middle of the 80s again and it was mobile phones um sushi so there, there was kind of general enthusiasm um and then when you started talking to people that were already in the sector, you know, early starters that had, that had created brands and that were producing products, um, they were all over it. They said, you know, this is exactly what we've been waiting for. We've, you know, we've got our own e-com site, but it's difficult to get traction. We'd love to be situated next to like-minded brands and peer group within the community, you know, a bit like a, a sort of shopping mall in a way. You know, if once you start lining up a few brands and everyone wants to be on board, so... We did receive a lot of interest, um, and that's not to say things weren't, weren't very, very hard. And yeah, still, still aren't. We're still a very, 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 very small company. But mm-hmm. um, it was great to, to continue to kind of feed off the general, um, I wouldn't go as far as say euphoria, but the optimism around the sector kind of bled into the conversations that we were having. Um, yeah, and there's been lots of positive press around cbd as well and i think in a very short space of time in the uk it seems to have gone from sort of you know kind of ooh, kind of hippie thing in america <laughs> to sort of you know something in holland and barrett which um yeah. you know is is obviously in every um shopping center in you know in the uk and that sort of gives it a kind of credibility doesn't it and it, and i feel that you know the press as well have been you know it, talking about it in quite a positive way and it's no longer seen as you know people are understanding the difference between that and sort of you know lighting up an enormous joint aren't they well yeah i mean it's it's, so it has gone from this kind of certainly yeah two years or so ago when we first started this the idea of this it was still very much a unique um sort of backwater product and i think a lot of people's perception was actually it's you know, if if cannabis is this seen as this kind of gateway into harder drugs, then CBD almost certainly, therefore, must be the gateway to cannabis because obviously it comes from the same plant or from the same family, and therefore it's all the connotations are obvious, and therefore it's just kind of a um, one step away from kind of a stoner's marketplace. And actually, it couldn't be any further from the truth. So, in the I guess what the US went through, maybe over a period of six to eight years of a general appreciation of the growing wellness trends around kind of frontier wellness economy, acceptance of cannabis. And obviously the US is a bit different because there is a, a very, very broad acceptance of cannabis for recreationally. But And CBD is, it sort of sits alongside that in terms of the broad acceptance. But the UK has had that absolutely fast-tracked in no uncertain terms. So, yeah, in the two years, it's gone from being a very niche subject matter that really no one except those in the, in the sector kind of understood or, or really saw the opportunity to, yeah, sort of broad acceptance, really. As you said, it, it, it's wouldn't quite go as far as to say ubiquitous, but it's, it's you can certainly buy it, you know, in, in many, many different places and locations. Um, mm-hmm. I know we're going to get on to talk about trust, and I think that is an overarching theme still that 
if if you think you can go and buy some CBD that's going to help you with one element or another, you know, next to the chewing gum in your corner shop, then I, I don't think that's probably the right product for you. But um, I think yeah. as the as as the broader acceptance of CBD, I mean, depending on what you've been reading recently, David Beckham just announced he's going to list a cannabis brand on the stock exchange later this year. MG Pharma just did its first stock market listing earlier on today. So there is. It's not just a man on the street looking to, to maybe have a, a, a vape. There is this real broader acceptance across all walks of life that it's that it's around, available, freely talked about, you know, and you know, there's industry bodies that have been set up to, to manage it as well. So um, and I think but that, I guess my point in, in this sort of long rambling answer is that acceptance has been quick. Um, market size, therefore, is growing again, depending on what you read at. 40% a year to 140% a year, pretty much, um, and, and anywhere in between. So market size is kind of doubling fairly quickly. Um, again, depending on what you read, somewhere between 10 and 15% of the UK population are actively using it in some capacity or other. Um, but it is it is a wellness product, yeah. first and foremost. It falls under the sort of novel food classification. However, people are taking it for slip to manage sleep and stress and anxiety and pain management and muscle recovery for workouts or if, i mean some of the the nfl guys that use it and that are part of our series of talks we've got coming up later in the year they've the cocktail of drugs they were taking before games um to manage pain and to kind of get their heads in a place where they could run out on the field and get bashed up by a load of other people has been cbd's replaced all of that so instead of taking you know, 30 ibuprofen before a game, a few drops of CBD in a, in a sort of protein shake is, is where they're at. Wow. And also, when you even saying that two or three years ago, I'd have been I'd have been laughed at by suggesting mm-hmm. that. But actually now the sort of broad brush acceptance of CBD as a mainstream wellness and lifestyle product is is very much here. Yeah. Um, but that said, um, I imagine that there are some um, non-trustworthy um, businesses or, you know, that um, there are still, like in any area, um, businesses that you have to make sure that you, um, you know, vet and verify carefully before they are onboarded onto the marketplace. So so how, tell me a bit about that and how you go through that verification and that KYC journey. I'm glad you said KYC because I was about to mention that. So yes, James and I, when we set out, um, if you look at how marketplaces bring sellers or brands or merch or whatever you want to call them onto their sites, there's Again, the industry kind of runs the gamut of opportunity. So if you want to list on Amazon, almost anyone can kind of set themselves up as a seller account and start selling stuff, same as eBay. Um, And then you can switch right over to the model where you have to, on niche marketplaces as a seller, you have to pay quite a lot of money to even be accepted into into the sort of seller community. You then have to pay for onboarding fees and listing fees. And, you know, it's quite a, a, a tight community to get into. Um, we kind of felt we wanted to be in the latter, but without the financial obstacle. Mm. And the reason why we wanted to do that was, first of all, we're talking about a product that people are putting either on or in their bodies. Um, and therefore, we didn't want anyone and everyone to be able to sign up and start selling their products. Secondly, we only wanted to work with brands. We don't work with any intermediaries, distributors, middlemen, resellers. We work with the brands only. So all products are sourced from the brands. 
then when you begin to understand the, the industry a little bit more, every single brand that's available at, at the moment needs to have, certainly from an online perspective, what's known as a COA, a Certificate of Authenticity, which is a, third, a, a, a test, that's, the results of a test that's undertaken by a third-party lab to say what the, the outside of this box says is in the box is genuinely in the box, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was quite a sort of uproar a couple of years ago around some brands were tested and what was said on the outside of the box wasn't what was in the bottle and that kind of stuff. So mm. um, we right from day one said right what we're going to be selling is brands that people can understand and implicitly trust and that trust needs to come from mellow we need to position mellow as bar none the most trustworthy site available for customers to come to read about educate themselves and purchase cbd wellness brands and products um and that's effectively where we've positioned ourselves um and so the first aspect of us doing that is making sure that every brand we onboard passes a set of somewhat subjective tests that we have put in place, which is a bit of, it's a, bit of a checklist. So all products need to have these COAs, and those COAs are available on every single product page. So as a customer, you have full visibility of those independent tests. The brands then need to prove that they have an exemplary record of trading as a business, We need to have details of directors, addresses, um, visas, if required, or passport copies. Um, We also undertake um, industry verification internally. When we we have an internal algorithm that we run called the Mellow Trust Score to make sure that it's a bit of a sort of product market fit, that the products that the brands are selling fit with the categories that we have on the site or the categories we want to open up. The price points aren't either way too high or way below the averages of that particular category. Um, That the products these brands are selling are of a fit to the market that we want to be selling. Um, And I'll caveat that by saying we don't have any vapes on the site. We don't feel vaping particularly fits with the wellness movement that CBD is part of. Um, And there's a bit of a subjective test as well where we say, actually, if you took CBD off the box could the product and the brand sell in its own right? So we don't want CBD just to be something that gets stuffed in a product as a bit of a um, kind of hook to buy people in. It needs to be a product that actively is attractive, not only visually, but also from a a usability perspective. So if you take CBD off the label, is it still a brand and product that can stand on the shelf, you know, digitally in its own right? So so we go through all of that onboarding KYC process. um, And what we have more recently done is partnered with a brilliant relatively new business called detected that are a b2b business verification software they sit in the background um, and they constantly monitor and um, check all of our merchants Um, and we have a number of different checkpoints in the background so we're checking whether businesses are up to date on vat payments for instance or if they're not a uk business are they VAT registered um, do any of the directors have you know CCJs outstanding, or um, do they have liability insurance that is active? Um, so the customers on <coughs> excuse me, the customers on Mellow can also see a customer facing um, version of that detected mm-hmm. um, verification, and it, literally it's kind of a blue tick for marketplaces, um, and that's. 
So as a consumer, you're on the site and you're on a product page and there it simply just says a detected verified merchant. And that means as a customer, you have the sort of utmost trust in Mellow to be serving you the best, most trusted brands and products that are out there because um, we're doing all these checks for you. You as a customer don't have to sit there and worry and say, okay, well, where's this product come from and what's yeah. in the ingredients list and are they going to go bust sometime soon or are the products what they say they are? You know, we've kind of done all that for you. So, so take- if you, I mean, you have that to obviously and that's a huge benefit to, you know, somebody using the site like, like I have and... But if I then become familiar with a product and I like it, how do you stop that sort of disintermediation? How do you stop me just then going directly to that person's website, to that vendor's website and sourcing direct through them? Maybe because I don't know, I have a discount code or I just want to see what else is on their website or just have a look and and see, you know, where it comes from. I think that's always a, a possibility when it comes to marketplaces. You know, market, Mellow is like every other marketplace. Mm. It's a sort of demand aggregation platform. It's a two-sided platform where, you know, you're bringing together either buyers and sellers or demand and supply, depending on what terminology you use. And, and there is always the potential that a, a customer says, okay, great, now I'm going to go to the brand site and buy it. Um yeah, that's fine. I think I think we need to be aware that that happens, and you know, I've done it myself. You've done it. Everyone's kind of done it. I think what we're trying to engender in the customers is trust, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but also a feeling of education, community. Mellow is a brand in its own right, um, and we want customers to want to be part of the brand that we are developing. Um, and I think if you continually try and meet or over. Um, meet beyond the, the expectations of a customer that you will have their loyalty and so if customers are discovering new brands on Mellow or they have a great experience around delivery difficult at the moment with COVID but um, or they're seeing new interesting things so for yeah. instance we just, we just brought on an in-house chef she's creating some brilliant new recipes so if there's, if there's content ideas, brands and newness I'd like to think that we keep that customer um, I'd be a fool to sit here and think we're going to think we're going to keep them forever and a day, all the time, um, because they want to go off and discover brands in in their own way. But I'd like to think that that you know we we already have quite a high repeat purchase, um, and, and I guess the the other area that we are addressing is that you know first and foremost customers are buying CBD because they, there's a problem that they want to fix. And they want to fix it or deal with it in a non-farmer way or a non-big farmer way, should I say. And so if you can't sleep and you come to Mellow and you bought some product and you're getting a really good night's sleep, the impact that's having on your life in terms of a positive way to, to deal with that issue, we know means you're going to come back and buy it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem for us is then getting that person to buy something else mm-hmm. as opposed to just buying that one particular product so again we need to be serving them interesting product interesting brands newness um and always bringing products and brands that are at the forefront of the industry 
Um, because it saves them having to go and look for them, presumably. And to me, I mean, I just, you know, I showed my husband the, the CBD jam that you had. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, what can I say? I mean, Put that I, your exactly. yeah. I mean, that would take quite a lot of um, research and, and, you know, investigation online to actually find that. And I think there was a CBD Christmas pudding even over Christmas. Yeah, yeah, so these yeah. types of things. Um, I, still, I still couldn't get my mum to eat it at Christmas. But yeah. no, <laughs> well, so maybe think... next year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They keep they keep for a while, don't they? Um, I'll stick it in the, stick it in the cupboard. Um, I think all marketplace founders and entrepreneurs will give you a version of the same response, which is you've got to be pretty bullish on fifty or sixty standalone mono brand sites to not think that marketplaces have a bit of a dominant voice in a, in a particular sector. Um, and so is the customer going to go out there and individually find 50 or 60 brands on their own and start shopping around and then shop from all those sites? Or are they going to get a better informed selection, educated view of that aggregated demand in one location? As I say, I think I probably haven't said it in a very good way, but I would say all marketplace founders are probably of the view that their platform offers the consumer a better experience in a multi-brand environment than a single mono-brand site. Yeah, and I think people are getting uh, used to that idea and, and you know, feeling that they want to see that range, um, but underneath the the umbrella of a of a brand that they they can you know relate to and um, you know, like Mellow, I think that is you know it's a great brand. It feels nice and it feels like you know as as attractive yeah, as some of the brands. I'll just caveat. Caveat, I'm not paying you to say that. <laughs> no, but I, I do. <laughs> no, not this time. Discount <laughs> yeah, paid on the way. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you, Neil, for telling us about this. I, I hope that um, 2021 has some great things in store for Mellow and um, look forward to, to seeing um, what replaces the CBD Christmas pudding um, as, a, <laughs> as a more... Well, you- We've got all sorts of stuff out there. I don't know if you got. I'm not sure if you've got any pets, El, but no. we've got looking to turn on pet pet category, which brings its own complications because bizarrely you can buy CBD for humans, but you can't buy it for pets in the UK because it's deemed illegal. But there are ways in which we think we can try and get a skirt around some of that opaque regulation. Um, Europe, we're just about to open up China, so brand we're, we're working on with a partner to. Um, launch onto some of the bigger platforms in China with a massive market and it's if the UK is four or five years behind the US then China is three or four years behind the UK but obviously in terms of size of consumer group and pent-up demand for CBD wellness products they get the sort of voracious consumption over there of Western um, beauty cosmetics brands and a lot of in terms of where the CBD sector is going it is all around consumable beauty cosmetics and, and that kind of broader wellness sector mm-hmm. um and so we, we very much look are looking at the apac markets for for growth so yeah a, a lot of things planned um Great. and a lot of things that are going to keep us very busy but all very very exciting so we've got um we've got, we've got a very busy year ahead of us well i look forward to to getting you back on um or maybe on one of our live events and um hearing hearing your updates maybe later in the year neil thank you so much can't wait thanks Al. thank you for tuning into the platform podcast be sure to follow us on social media at marketplace risk tune in next week for another podcast